Welcome to Imaginative Visions Journeys, where creators from the entertainment world discuss their journey to turning their dreams into reality with your host, Justin D. Williams. Welcome to Imagine Visions Journeys, Episode 5. This is Justin here, and we have a really great guest for you guys. Today we have an indie filmmaker, writer, actor as well. And we're going to talk about a little bit about his journey, and he is a really good friend of mine. No relation. Please give a round of applause and welcome Jarrell Williams to the show. Jarrell, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oops, wrong one. There we go. It's just, I've been messing up all day today. It's all good. <laughs> Hey, how are you doing, brother? Are the business? I'm I'm good. I'm, I thank you for having me. Actually, I appreciate it because it's a it's a rare opportunity to get a chance to have a platform to tell my story. So I got you got to take those opportunities when they present Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I, I've been watching uh, what you've been doing for a while, so I just like definitely wanted to have you on journeys to talk about how did you get to this point. And let's get started with our first section. For those that know, we break our sections down. Um, and for those who are first time listeners, we break down our show by uh, five sections. So section one is origins, where I guess we'll talk about their humble beginnings and when they on how they fell in love with their passion. Section two is roadblocks. What are some of the challenges that you face while you're on your journey and getting to your destination, your goals? Uh, section three is destination, where you finally reach your destination or you're in that path of your destination and you could talk a little bit about your projects and how you feel when you're, you know, your first destination, when you, re- when you reached it. And section four usually is showcase where we get to show the product that our guests are talking about and promoting. And then section five is finally the road ahead. So Jarrell, we're going to kick this off with origins and you as a filmmaker, actor, writer, can you tell us a little bit about how, or do you remember the exact moment when you caught that bug and uh, your passion for it? See, that that's <laughs> that's an interesting question because there were there were two moments. Like there was a moment in my life where I knew I wanted to create stories, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware of the fact that I was doing it. You know, like when I was a kid, you know, like I went I went to a Catholic school, I went to the St. Mary's Catholic School. And I was one of those kids, like, I was very bored in school, like, my attention span was, like, all over the place. And, you know, much like yourself, I was, at the time, like, I was a huge, tremendous fan of, like, Ninja Turtles. Like, Ninja Turtles, was, that was my ish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also, like, Power Rangers came out at that time and everything. And, you know, when I was in school, when I was bored out of my mind, trying to come up with things to do, I would imagine, like, these stories. I would create, like, these story scenarios. And a lot of the stuff I pulled from things that I watched, like, the very and, and this is this is actually a very rare exclusive because I've never actually now that I'm thinking I'm saying it out loud I've never told this story before. But when, when I was in when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I came up with this story about myself and three of my classmates, mm-hmm. where we were just like regular kids in the neighborhood and we got mixed up in like some some like martial arts you know like grounded you know like hood drama. And we were like, you know, like fighting crime and like, you know, protecting the neighborhood and things like that. And to be honest, that sparked every single thing I did from that from that moment, because any story I created after that 
was birthed from that one idea, from that one random, you know, like creation I made up when I was, you know, when I was in Catholic school, you know, and it was inspired like heavily by Ninja Turtles because the original story, it was like, it was like my dad, I think my dad was like one of the characters. It was like my dad had a best friend and my dad and his best friend were like martial artists. And like, I was his son and I had three other friends, you know, and then, you know, and then like his, his best friend was like a criminal, like a crime Lord. And, you know, we were going down trying to stop him from like terrorizing. And I just created this whole thing in school, just being bored out of my mind. Like, you know, like, and because it was me and three of my classmates, you know, we had weapons and everything. Like I had size, one of my friends had a sword, one girl had a bow staff, another girl had nunchucks. You know, like it was like, you know, obviously I pulled that, you know, like I pulled mm-hmm. that. And it was like, it was, it was, it wasn't something that I actively planned to do. It's just something that just, it just randomly just came up. And then I got so into this own story that I created that I kept, you know, like I just kept going with it, like in my own mind. So it really wasn't, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, so um, I was uh, going to say Ninja Turtles was a heavy, heavy influence on you. Yeah, just... yeah it, was very, it was very influential because I wasn't the type of person back then, like, I didn't, I wasn't into, like, gun violence, you know, but I loved martial arts, like, I loved hand-to-hand combat, you know, and because, like, Ninja Turtles was, you know, such, like, a big cartoon for me at the time, it's like, I, did, I just pulled, it's like, I, I wanted to see myself in that, you know, like, in, in that type of situation but I made it a situation where it was more like realistic, not, not so much with the mutant aspect of it and every, you know, everything of that nature. But, but like I said, but like that, that was when I was in, when I was, you know, like a kid, when I was in like middle school, like Catholic school. So fast forward, you know, like I go through high school, you know, everybody goes through like their own personal thing in high school, but in high school, like I was doing music, but I was also, I was also doing like performance, but it wasn't really like heavy, heavy. When I got to college, I started doing, I went to college for psychology mm. because a lot of people when I was in high school, I was, I was very good at like, you know, counseling people, like giving people advice, you know, like helping people out with their issues and their problems. I was a peer mediator when I was, in, you know, when I was in high school and everybody said like, oh, you should be a counselor. Like you should go to college and become like a counselor, become a psychiatrist. So I went to college for psychology. I took one semester of psychology. And during that one semester, I took one acting class because I just needed an extra class just to have you know, just to have like on the thing. So I took one acting class and after taking four psychology courses and taking that one acting class, the next semester, I completely switched majors <laughs> over to media arts and I just started doing acting and film production. Oh, wow. You know? so yeah. that's, that's a hell of an introduction. I mean, for yeah. me, um, <laughs> which I'll talk about on the season finale episode, but for me, it was just similar to you, it was like Ninja Turtles. But for me, it was just more like I was... Uh, introduction to story I was really pushed by my junior high school teacher and he just like made me do like extra credit because I guess he saw like the potential and passion for like writing and telling stories and like I've, I've, I've always say this to people it's like for me it was just like I middle school I was in the photography club junior high I was in the school newspaper and that's when I started writing short stories and everything else High school, I had that's when GeoCities was a thing where you like you have your own little web pages, and then college, I went to school for creative writing, and it just all came together. So I'm just definitely like similar, amazing with the path, and I can see, especially with the project, which we're going to talk about down the line um, in this episode, Shadow Wars, how Ninja Turtles could have influenced, or at least Ninja, like the Ninja, because in the '90s, for those who don't know, for the youngins who who are watching this. The 90s, we had this huge, huge ninja, yeah. I guess, 
like sensational craze. Like we yeah. had Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Surf Ninjas. Well, let's, we'll forget about Surf Ninjas, but yeah, VR Troopers. Yes. Um, what was the other? There was there was another. There was like another show. I think like because it was two shows. It was like VR Troopers, and there was another show where they were going inside a computer. <laughs> uh, reboot? No, no. It was, well, reboot. They did go inside a computer, but it was VR Troopers, Big Bag Beetleborgs. No. I can't. Oh my gosh! It's gonna bother me. This is gonna like haunt me for like the rest of my life now. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so I mean, this is so you. So this is how you got the bug, and then you went to school, obviously, to just really enhance that. So you you already alluded to the Ninja Turtles, but who were some of your influencers? uh, Influences growing up watching either one of director actors that may do kind of like you kind of study under and just go like, you know i like this type of style and, and things like that nature see the, the funny thing about that question it's it's kind of like the reverse it's not like i looked at somebody mm. i was like hey i'm going to aspire to be this person mm. because i always created my own stories because i always created my own scenarios my own situations and i tell people this all the time like will smith is like one of my top three like favorite actors of all time but the funny thing about it is I wanted to be Will Smith before Will Smith was Will Smith. Mm. <laughs> like when, when, when the Fresh Prince became Will Smith, I was like, well, dang, that's what I, that, that's exactly what I wanted to do. You know, <laughs> but I was even more drawn to him because he was doing the type of stuff that, you know, like I could see myself doing. So, you mm. know, I, I, followed, I followed his career. I followed his career a lot. You know, that was, um, even, you know, even musically, like, you know, like there was a small moment where like I wanted to do music too. And, you know, like I'm not like the, I'm not I'm not the violent, you know, like mm. you know, like ghetto shoot up bang bang person. So like his music kind of like you know touched me more. But it, it was really it was really him. I never um I never followed like a director. I never had like a like a directorial influence. It was just my whole thing was I love action. I'm an action guy, and everything mm. I write is just action based. Okay, so that is like I was that was actually gonna be my next question is like what was the actual favorite genre that you love to do? So clearly you said action it was one of your biggest influences, but why action? I mean, you know, I mean to an extent, like we all have a we all have a hero complex. <laughs> you know, like everybody has every everybody's had that fantasy of them probably jumping out of an airplane and like saving someone's life or like, you know, just doing something heroic and you know, I just like like the the like the way it makes you feel, like the adrenaline rush, like the thrill, you know, like the chase and like the you know, the suspense as well. It's just it just spoke to me more than because like I'm the type of person where like I'm afraid of heights, I can't swim, and I don't like going into hospitals. But if if I'm on an airplane and like let's say like I'm with my significant other or whatever, and there's like the airplane starts crashing and there's a hole in the airplane. I'd be the first person to jump out of an airplane, save somebody, crash in the ocean, swim to shore, and take them to the hospital. <laughs> you know, hmm. it's just like it's just like one of those weird things. But I, I've always like had that, you know, like like in me to like thrive to like you know the moment, you know, like the pinnacle moment. But it, it also comes with being like overly dramatic as well, and just like loving the job. Wow. <laughs> so that I mean, action for me, action. I love action as well. I mean, it's just like like you said, there is something with the uh, the hero complex. Yeah. And just the way, it, and, and I, I don't think people realize that action is not easy to, no. to do. Not, not, not just, just like to film, but to write. 
yeah. an action scene is not easy. Like just writing to because not because when you're writing an action film or just TV or comic, whatever, you gotta you're trying to make it number one unique. <laughs> you're trying to also keep the audience engaged. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm not sure how you approach it, but I try to keep it to realism too. Like if some yeah. dude was falling down the steps, I understand adrenaline. But I want to show that hey, this dude just fell down the steps. Like he, it's like me and you are both um big wrestling fans. You gotta sell this shit, okay? <laughs> How do you write that? You know, to a point where like it comes across. And then you know, for me, like I said, we'll get into more of this later. But there's also the problem of like one of the one of the biggest challenges of creating your own thing, creating your own story, your own film, whatever. You start to become very protective of it. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to a point, and, I, and I, I say this, I've said this all the time. Anybody that knows me has heard me say this before. The biggest problem with being an actor or a filmmaker is that you need other people to make it work. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. If I could take everything that's going through my mind and just magically like transport it onto screen, we wouldn't have a problem. But you have to find the right people to make it work too. And that's where you yourself have to let go of like the reins a little bit because you're always going to have that thing in your mind of damn it you're not going to ruin my thing (laughs) and then you see it going a certain way in your mind and you now have to try to find people that can project the image that you have in your mind out on the screen when you do it in real life and there are a lot of people that but in order for you to get there you honestly have to let go of what you think you wanted to see in your mind exactly you have to realistically tell yourself this is what I want to do, but it's probably not going to happen. So how can we get as close to this as possible? You know, you know, without yelling at your actors saying like, darn it, I told you to do a handstand on three fingers. You know, like that's, <laughs> that probably won't happen. You know, so five fingers, is, if we can do it, we can do a handstand with two hands, you know, like we'll, we'll settle for it. <laughs> and we'll get to the Roblox and we're going to touch it. We're going to put a pin on that in a second. But Scott asked, what was your first acting role what it was a school play do you remember your first acting role it was a oh man that's a that's a damn good question <laughs> it was well when i was in school when i was doing when i was doing acting and film production in school mm-hmm. i did plays and like skits and things for pretty much like anybody that would act like i was always doing like other people's stuff um i worked on it on a real film i worked on a film called starting out in the evening where I did background for it. Like I was helping, I was helping like the grips and the lighting team, which actually like gave me, you know, like an inside peek of what goes on behind the scenes as far as like me doing my own thing. And that contributed to me wanting to shoot my own film more. But other than that, I did, did like background work, you know, like I did, um, I did background like, like, you know, like Law and Order. And there's another movie, I can't remember the name of it now. I think it was starring like Nicole Kidman, where I was, it was, it was this thing where like, the, the king of like Africa or something was coming to New York to like the world, you know, to sit in like the world council and talk to like, you know. The peacemaker? No, no, it wasn't peacemaker. It was, I think, I, I, I can't remember it. I can't remember, but I remember we were supposed to protest the king when he pulled up in his limo. And mm. we were supposed to have like picket signs, we were supposed to be yelling and curse at him. And I was in that crowd of people that was, you know, like booing him when he got out of the limo. But the funny thing about that, it was the movie was supposed to take place in the wintertime. Queen and, of the Desert. No. no. Okay, was it Queen of the Desert? Damn, sorry about that. Continue. <laughs> in the, in the wintertime. The Interpreter. That's what it was called. Okay, The Interpreter. Okay. 
So I did, we were we were so it was supposed to be winter time. So we were supposed to be outside booing him. So everybody had on like leather jackets and sweaters, earmuffs, gloves, scarves, with that and the third. But the funny thing about it was we shot that scene in the middle of July. Oh wow. <laughs> so I remember that because I just remember the cameras are on us, everybody's filming us, and I'm standing here with this gigantic leather jacket on and a ski hat. And it's like 90-something degrees. Shit. Yeah, so it was, like, it was weird because we were all, like, although, like, you know, we did our job, like, we booed him, you know, like, we were the ruckus crowd, but we were all sweating. People had their jackets open. And it, was just, it, was just, it was just one of those funny things. But that was, that was the first experience that I remember of doing something that I felt was important. <laughs> what a journey so far. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to head into our, oh, oh, wait, wait, actually, there is one more on question or just got asked your company name. When, how did you get the name Red Eyes Entertainment? Where did that come from? Oh, that, um, <laughs> that, that, that spark, that came from a lot of different things because, you know, growing up, like, especially, especially if you black, like everybody had a tag name growing up, <laughs> like everybody had a tag name growing up. Mm. And, you know, my, my tag name growing up, which is, you know, I still use it to this day, is Icon. And okay. I got the name Icon because when I was in high school, I told you I did music when I was in high school, I was yeah. in the choir. And the choir was doing a musical performance for the high school graduation at the time. Mm -hmm. We were doing a song, but the song had a rap, had like two rap verses in it. And the, you know, the instructor of the choir, he asked me if, like somebody else used to do the rap for that song. And I guess that person either didn't show up or like he bailed out on him at the last minute. And then like the instructor was like, does anybody know how to rap? And I was like, well, I can do it. You know, so I quickly like wrote a couple of verses for the song. Mm -hmm. And when, I, when we performed that song during the graduation, during the choir, there was a moment where I got so excited and I got so hyped into the song and into the performance. I, I had a wireless microphone in my hand. I ran down the aisle and jumped on top of the piano <laughs> and, I was doing, and I was doing the second verse of the rap on top of the piano and when I did that like the entire building like lost their mind and a friend of mine he was like laughing and then he was just like yo you just became an icon for you know like for doing that and then that's where that's where the name came from because it was like it was and it was also it was also a wrestling joke because whenever like people who were wrestling fans when they saw me they were like oh there goes the icon the showstopper the main event, main event. <laughs> you know, like the, the people's choice so it just became a running joke and i just stuck with it wow Brand, branding wise i changed it because it, it used to be it just used to be icon but branding wise when i got to a point where i wanted to like do my own company and like you know have a youtube channel and do other things i changed it from icon to e-y-e-c-o-n you know like you know like the like the actual like i icon because you know, I, you know, it was just, it was just something where it just looked cool. Like having mm. like the word I, and then like the word con under it, it filled it out more. Like it just, it looked more presentable as like a brand. The, the red comes in because red is my favorite color. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And when I first started the company, it was, it was me and, you know, my now ex-wife, we were married at the time. We, we came up with the name called Red Shore Media because when I grew up as a child, like I grew up in the projects. And the housing project that I grew up in was called Redfern Projects. She grew up in a building complex called Shorefront Parkway. So we just put both together and it was like Red Shore, you know, like Red Shore Media. But then, you know, like later on when, you know, her and I got divorced, you know, like she went her separate way, like I went mine. But when I continued to, you know, to do the acting and to do the film stuff and to do the YouTube channel, I kept the red part of it 
Mm. But what, since, but then I was like, well, I'm not going to keep the shore, but I need something new. But I'm like, well, you know, I'm still the icon. So, you know, we're keeping the color red. We're putting the word I in it because I'm the icon. And then, you know, you can't have one eye, so you got to have two. So I put the Z at the end of it. And then I just nice. added the entertainment. So it's like Red Eyes Entertainment. It's a play on like my tag name and my favorite color. Oh, wow. That is the hell of an origin story, especially because uh, I never knew. So I, I that's, a, that's exactly what I wanted to include. like, why is it called Red Eyes? And it just actually makes it actually makes perfect sense, especially you coming from the firm, growing up yeah. in the firm. And for those who don't know, uh, Red Fern is the projects in Far Rockaway, Queens, New York. For those who uh, who don't live in New York and those who are watching who are from Far Rock, they're probably going to go Far Rock. So, yes, Far Rock. Shout out to Far Rock again. So we're going to get into the next section, which is Roblox. And as I described earlier, ladies and gentlemen, Roblox is when we talk about the challenges of getting to our in our journey of getting into that destination. So, Jarrell, what were some of the challenges that you face of coming up with Shadow Warriors, writing the story and obviously the trailer? We'll talk about the trailer during the showcase a little bit. But what were some of the challenges of this like really um, major project that you're working on? I mean, the the biggest, right out the gate, regardless of what it is I've ever tried to do, the biggest challenge has always been somebody just seeing what I can do. Hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I know I have the talent and, you know, and the know-how. I just need somebody to watch it. And when, when I was in college, and I told you I did acting when I was in college, hmm. I went on auditions. You know, like I hit the pavement, I did my resume, I did headshots, I went all around New York City back then. Because see, it's different nowadays. Like when you go on an audition nowadays, they give you like a time to show up. You show up at your time, you go in the room, you do your audition, and that's it. When I was going on auditions, we mm. had to stand on line, you know, to be seen to go into the audition. And the lines would be so long. Like if if the place where the audition was being held was on 46th Street and you have to take the 40, you have to get to 42nd Street, you know, that's the closest train station. When you came out of the train station, you were online. Mm. <laughs> like the line started at the train station and you were four blocks down and you had to wait to be seen to get to 46th Street to actually be seen by somebody. I've done cold reads for people. I did, I've done like improv castings for people. But the very, the very last, and, and like I auditioned for so many projects, I don't even know if half of them even got off the ground, but the very last time I ever did an audition, like an actual like audition, I was doing, it was, and it's funny because I auditioned for Sky High. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was the very last person that got seen by, you know, by the casting director. And when I did my audition, there were three people sitting at the table. One woman specifically, she said that she really liked my audition. Like she said that she was very impressed and that she liked it, you know, which made me feel good because I was like, wow, like this might be my shot. Like I could have been in Sky High. You know, but they never, they never called me. I never got a call for that. So I guess the other two thought I wasn't a good look or didn't like me. But that got me to a point where that's when I started getting frustrated because I was doing this for like two years, you mm -hmm. know, and while I'm online, I'm out there in the cold and heat, you know, doing all these performances. Like I love performing, like I love auditioning, but eventually you get tired of not getting picked for it. And then you also get tired of being told you have all this talent, but then it's like, well, then why didn't you pick me? But when I'm online going on these auditions, what happened was my childhood kicked back in and those same stories that I started creating back when I was in Catholic school, those stories started to like reappear and they started to reemerge. And then mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like, you know what? 
I have story ideas. I'm going to school for acting and film production. They taught me how to shoot a camera. They taught me how to do video editing. They taught me how to do lighting. They basically, like when I went to school, you guys basically taught me how to shoot a film. So mm -hmm. instead of continuing to just keep going on auditions, waiting for someone else to choose me for their project, I might as well just get all the necessary ingredients together and shoot one myself. Which because makes sense. I got to a point where I got tired of thinking about the story and I was like, you know, it's time to take it out of here and put it on paper. And let's just put a pin right there because this is something that I always, and this seems to be a common theme with the show, um, with all the people that we interviewed so far, is that everyone that we had on the show so far took an initiative, either, like they tried to make a breakthrough with either of a company, they did auditions, or someone was not able to, no one was open-minded enough to give someone an opportunity, a chance. And so everybody just said, fuck it. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to build my own company. I'm going to do it my own way. And that, that for me is always fascinating because that is something, uh, especially in this day and age, which I, to this day, I always tell people who ask me like, oh, how did you do this? How did you do that? It's just that, you know, I wouldn't sign unless it was like a license agreement where I still own everything. I wouldn't sign with a major production company or anything else like that unless I still fully own the rights. And you're just basically leasing my shit and I yeah. still have creative control, you know? Uh, and it, it's just like with the age of independence, such as obviously we have the Netflixes, we have the YouTubes, we have Vimo, we have all these avenues for young filmmakers out there. It just seems kind of counterproductive to just kind of trying to get into that system at this point. So for you to just actually just say, you know what, screw this. I'm going to do this shit on my own. It's just, it really is amazing, especially because, you know, there's not many of us that yeah. actually go out and do something like, like that. So I just want to just give you uh, just an applause for that, because that is just, <laughs> no, seriously, because that, that a lot of people talk about it, you know, people get frustrated on their journey, like, mm -hmm. and things, with, especially, you're, you're, you, you know, you're an actor, you're a director, you're a writer especially with the acting, you know that half the night, at least 90% of the time you go to audition, you're going to hear no. You're going to get negative feedback. It, like, you really have to have a thick skin in this industry. And, and, and it's just like, you, you just said, you know what, fuck it. I'm doing it on my own. So continue on with that process of how, how, did, you, how did you get to that point of, you know, just really writing the story and just started to film that trailer and everything else like that. Well, see, that's, that, that's where like some of the, the difficulties came in at because mm. the one thing about, about like this entire process that I don't like, I hate the process of typing a story. Mm. So, like if, if I know somebody that loves typing and I know how to type too, which is crazy. Like I'm one of the few people that can actually like do this and I can type without looking at the keyboard. I just hate doing it because I find it like very tedious. And it's like, I wish I could just tell somebody what's in my mind and just have them write it down. But I was just like, but in order for me to do this project, I have to actually put this on paper. So, mm -hmm. I, had, so I had to sit down, you know, get, get a, a script writing program together. And I just started like writing the, I started writing the story and the story actually evolved. It started evolving a little bit from where I first created it when, you know, like when I was in Catholic school, like mm -hmm. the, you know, it, it got to a point where instead of like using like my dad and, you know, like my dad's friend, I said to myself, I was like, hey, you know, it would be cool if those same two characters were both women instead of dudes, you know, like that would, 
like that would be a little bit more interesting because it's something that you don't really see. Like there's always like this, this, this force of like good and evil when it comes to like guys. You never really see that with women. So I decided to change, you know, change, you know, like certain characters around. And then I wrote it when I wrote the original, the original script. And this is before it was even called Shadow Wars. Mm-hmm. When I wrote the original script, it was only 37 pages long. And that was the That's entire- a short film. <laughs> you no, know, but see, but that's the thing. It is a short film, but in my mind, it was a full it was a full-length feature. Mm. But I just wasn't good at I wasn't good at beefing it up. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew I knew the I knew like the important points of the story that I wanted to touch on. I knew how I wanted the story to go. What I was bad at, and I didn't realize at the time, I was very bad at character development. Ooh. Especially when it came to the certain characters that weren't the main focus of the project. So then, but you know, my you know, my wife at the time, she was a writer. She went to her and I went to the same college. She went for media arts and she was she was there for video editing and she was there for like, you know, screenwriting and everything. She loved writing. You know, like she loved she loved typing stories. She, you know, she was into all that stuff. So I was like, well, this is perfect because all the stuff about media that I don't like, you like. <laughs> and mm. all the stuff that you don't think you're good at, that's all the stuff that I do. <laughs> you know, so I gave her, I gave her my script. Like I gave her my script and she turned that thing from 37 pages to about 110. Ooh, so that's about two, about an hour and 50 minutes script yeah. wise. Turned it to 110. See, but then because it's an action film, because like you said, it's like an hour and like, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. See, but now add in all the fight scenes because you can't write a fight scene on paper. Like, mm-hmm. like the actual like time length of a fight scene, you can't put that on paper. You all can. you write is then the two of them got into a fight, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that fight could take 10 minutes. So exactly. you add in the time for fight scenes, it dragged out over the, you know, like over the 90 minute close to the two hour mark, you know? And she did a very good job of like flushing out like certain characters, giving certain characters like backstory, like a better backstory. And then, cause, cause the, the, the Shadow Warriors story, it's about two women that grew up in, that they grew up, they're best friends when they were kids. They grew up into the martial arts. When they got older, they traveled all over the world. They competed in fighting tournaments all over the world. But the two of them had a falling out at one point. And when they had that falling out, mm-hmm. the, the evil one, she came back to New York City and she started an all-female crime organization of girls that, like orphan girls that she just pulled off the streets. The, the good one, she opened up a martial arts gym in Queens and she started like bringing kids into her martial arts gym. It was almost like they both basically went the route of um, bringing in the youth but one was doing it in a positive manner and the other was doing it in a negative way. Mm. And, you know, and, but, and even the decision to make it an all-female criminal organization, that change literally came when we were casting to actually shoot the project. So this was like years later, you know, when, when in the original script, it was just a criminal organization that just happened to be run by a woman. It wasn't until later where the decision was made to make it an all-female criminal organization. And there's a funny story about that too, when we, <laughs> like how that whole thing happened. So when we, when we were doing the casting for the film, we sent out a casting audition and we were looking for both men and women. You know, the, it, it was there as clear as day. We were looking for like, because at, at the time, like I wanted, I wanted 12 people, like, hmm. like 12, you know, like henchmen, if you will. I said, we were looking for six guys and six girls. 
we sent out, you know, like invitations to so many different guys, so many different girls, maybe, maybe like close to, we sent, we sent the auditions out to a hundred guys and probably maybe like 60 girls. Oh, wow. The day of the casting, none of the guys showed up. Wow. <laughs> none of the guys showed up and pretty How much. How you not show up to the, your own audition that you're auditioning for? Yeah. I mean, but, I mean it, it could be different things. Maybe they got another audition somewhere else, you know, like, because, and that's another thing, like when you do an independent film and you're dealing with actors and especially if you're asking actors to do it for free. Yeah. You need to, you need to stockpile your actors because you're not, it's going to be, consider yourself lucky if you keep the original people that you chose. <laughs> because the moment another gig comes up that's actually paying, they're going to take that instead, which is fine, but just be professional about it and let me know so I can, you know, I can substitute you for somebody else. Don't just not show up. You know, and there were a lot of people doing it. There was only like one person like who told me straight up. He was like, yo, listen, I got something else. And I said, that was fine. But, you know, but like I said, but we, we auditioned, not, we, we auditioned like nothing but women. No guys showed up. And then when I was talking to my casting director, he was just like, wow. He said, we saw a lot of really good talent. We met a lot of really good actresses. He was just like, you know, it's a shame. He said, it's a shame. Your film isn't about an all-female criminal organization because we had a perfect group of people. And then I'm sitting here. And I'm like, well, shit, why can't it be? <laughs> you know, because, and that's another thing. When you're the person that wrote it, you can change anything that you want about it and still make it make sense. Exactly. Because you're the only person that knows how the continuity is supposed to go. So you can make all the changes in the world mm -hmm. and still keep the continuity. And then I told him, I said, well, why can't it be? An, why can't it be an all-female criminal organization? And then around the time where, you know, like women's empowerment started becoming bigger and bigger, and we were seeing more women do bigger things and women, you know, being the forefront of a lot of things in all forms of entertainment and, and in life in general, I was just like, it, this would be the perfect moment. And because the head of the criminal organization was a woman and because women are more inconspicuous, like me, if I, as a black male, hmm. I can go into a gangster bar right now. And the moment I walk into that bar, everybody's gonna turn and look at me as though I got three heads. If a beautiful woman walks into that bar, nobody's gonna bat an eye. Exactly. They're not going to give it a second thought. And she could be the person who came in here to kill you. Mm -hmm. And then the more, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, shit, I actually like this better. <laughs> and then it became, it became a criminal organization of women. And we called that criminal organization the Shadow Dolls. <laughs> nice. I like that concept right there. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's just amazing because how when you're doing production, everything just changes sometimes on the fly. And you constantly do have to adapt to... The changes like you just are just brilliantly just pointed out like hey no guy showed up so story changes and now it's just in all and, and and just you know just to touch on just the way things are going with the world the way the world is with representation and everything else that's 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 perfect right there like you can have 12 women just all employ you know all getting a chance in the in the artist also being able to get a chance to showcase their talents and everything else like that. So that was one of those really major, major challenges, especially as you put it when it comes to the writing. And I can definitely, definitely relate to you on the writing aspect is just that sometimes, like even just for me, it's I know the beginning, I know the ending. The yeah. middle is always the hardest part. I'm just like, so what happens in between us? Yeah. I absolutely have no idea. I had to figure that part out. Like all, in, all I know is how it starts and yeah. how it ends. 
the characters, I know, I know the journey of the characters. Like the character development is never an issue with me. It's just like, um, how do I get them to that point? Is <laughs> always going to be like the issue. But the beautiful thing is, because you know the beginning and because you know the ending, once you write it, once you're actually sitting down, once you type the beginning, the middle fills itself in. Usually for me, <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes it takes me a, a literally a month for the middle part to come in. I'm like, oh, so this is the part that I had, this is the piece that I'm looking for. But I mean, let's let's uh, let's delve in a little bit more into the uh, what 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 would you say was your biggest roadblock of getting your project off the ground? As you just said, with writing and obviously the casting. But what what was some of the challenges of actually? finding the, the, these people when it comes to casting and, and you know, just getting well, that's, the... That's a, that's a loaded question in itself because when, when people watch the trailer, the first question everyone asks me is, where did you find these girls? Hmm. And I'm like, I went on Google, I typed in post a casting call <laughs> and I got a whole bunch of like websites where you can go online and post a casting call. You know, one of them. One of them was called Casting Networks, which was one that I used a lot. And mm. when you when you when you start typing the name of your project, you know, you give a brief description of the characters that you're looking for, age, height, you know, blah blah blah. When you get to the very bottom, they specifically ask you, "Is this a paying gig or is it a non-paying gig?" And then you know, once you put it's a non-paying gig, you're either going to get people who are just starting out into acting and they need to build a reel. So they'll do anything just to, you know, just to have something to showcase people. You get actors that are probably in SAG, but they're not really doing things that they want to do. So they do independent projects. As, as, like you might be a SAG actor, but you do like very like menial, like little things. You never get a chance to like showcase what you can really do. So you mm -hmm. do want to do independent projects just to feel like you have like a major role in something. And then you just flat out get the people. They're just like, listen, I just think this stuff is cool and whatever you need me to do, I'll do. You know. All you really have to do is just promise them that when it's over, you'll give them a copy of every single thing that they do so they can use that, you know, for their own, you know, for their own benefit later on down the line. But the struggle, the struggle with that is also, like I was saying before, it's keeping them if everybody says they want to do this until they actually have to do this. And there are a lot of people where it's like once they see that it's work, <laughs> you know, they, they tend to like bow out. And for my project and and I hate to say it like that, but you know, we're keeping it real. I cast a whole bunch of women and I was doing a martial arts film. Mm -hmm. And not all of them were in tune with the martial arts. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, you bring everybody in the room. I ended up hiring somebody to train them, you know, like in like combat, like light fight training, you know, just like punches and kicks, you have to get used to it. But you got to make it look like you know what you're doing. And then there was one girl specifically she was she was cast to be like one of the main characters in the project we're in the training we're, we're it's training day we're in the training thing all the girls are there the trainer is there we're getting ready to do this and then the girl said she had never got hit she said she's never thrown a punch before and she's never been hit in the face before wow and i'm, <laughs> and I'm sitting here and i'm like when we all when when we auditioned you after the audition was over we specifically <laughs> asked you do you have an issue with combat, with, you know, possibly getting hit? Because you try to be as safe as possible. Yeah. You, you know, but accidents do happen. And just in case someone accidentally, like, hits you in the chin 
or like like you have to be you know we just want to let you know that that could happen like you know like we, you have to be okay with that but to get the part everybody's gonna tell you yes and then when you're in the training thing and then you say action somebody gets ready to throw a fake punch and then the girl like completely covers her face and she's supposed to be a badass assassin <laughs> you're sitting here like okay <laughs> didn't see that one coming you know but that was um but that that's just that's just really about just getting just getting comfortable with them and surrounding like the people who are training you can't have a trainer mm. that has a militant personality yeah you know because you're going to scare them and you're going to make them you got to find somebody that understands this person is probably terrified and you have to put them in a position where they get more comfortable that's why i always i always did the training with everybody together to let everybody know you're not the only one in the situation that you're in right now <laughs> you all are in the same boat especially working with actors as well you want somebody who's not like you said not gonna be a drill sergeant like you need to do it you're not doing it. And, and, I, and i think what for a lot of actors because actors do talk and i, I think we are you're you're an actor you know actors will go back to other actors and tell them about the experience working with a certain director a certain company a certain production so if they had a wonderful time obviously they tell their friends like hey they tell their other actor friends this guy was good. This company treated us well. And if you didn't, or this guy was a tyrant, don't you get labeled that infamous hard to work with. And that's something that you definitely do not want to be labeled as either. Whether you're indie mainstream hard to work with is absolutely the death sentence of of, of a label. It's a career killer. It it really is. And we're going to talk about one more journey um, because uh, one more, one, one more roadblock is I, I always wanted to notice uh, to ask a filmmaker this: your equipment. How? What is the? What is the process of choosing the right camera that you want to use? Obviously, budget is a big thing, but as for indie, but how do you deal with either budget limitations or, or obviously, you, you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure you don't have a studio. So, like, how are you able to? film without the giant blue screens and, and all this other stuff honestly when when i st- when, when the project started and, and you know and that's not even the biggest roadblock like, I, like i'll tell you in the end what the biggest roadblock was but when i started the project i honestly thought that the the behind the scenes like you said the equipment and the cameras and what i honestly thought that would be the biggest obstacle mm-hmm. The equipment was actually the easiest part of the entire process. The hardest part of the entire process was finding actors. And I did not think that would be the hardest part because I was just like, oh, you can always find people that want to do something fun and like action-based and entertaining. Finding people was harder than getting equipment. Like Mm. I was able to get lights off Amazon. Like I, I knew people who had their own equipment. I had my own camera at the, you know, like at the time. Like I had a camera, my friend had a camera. Like I, like I said, I went on Amazon, like I purchased a bunch of lights, you know? So, and, and, and then as far as the script is concerned, when I wrote the original script, I wrote it broke. Like I told myself, I'm like, well, I can't do like exploding car chases and big helicopter chases. Mm-hmm. I can't do guns and stuff cause I'm black and I don't want to have prop guns out there in the streets and then I get run up on. You know, so that's true too. Yeah, like I have no money, you know, like I can't afford to pay anybody, but I have all this equipment and I have a really good idea. So how can I get 
how can I make an action film, you know, as grounded and as low budget as possible? And then I was like, oh, do martial arts. <laughs> you know, do martial arts and that'll solve all the problems because if you're out there in the shadows, if you're, you know, like if you're doing stuff like, cause that's the whole thing. Like when you do like martial arts, like action, like action type films, all that stuff takes place like in, you know, like in the shadow, it takes place like incognito. You're not out there in the public. So when you shoot all your stuff, you're shooting your stuff in like dark alleys. You're shooting your stuff in like, you know, like hidden places. You're not shooting it out in the street in front of a whole bunch of people, you know? So nobody can say like, oh, that's not realistic. How are you guys having a fight and there's nobody around? Because it's two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> because somebody tried to break into a building to steal something and they got stopped by somebody else at two o'clock in the morning. Mm. That's why there's nobody outside. <clears throat> like I basically, like I, I, I basically just wrote it broke. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I figured if I write this, if I write it broke, imagine what can I do if I actually do get a little bit of change? <laughs> mm. You know, I, I, and so I'm like, if, if the opportunity comes to make it better, we could always make it better, you know, but let's just keep it, you know, let's just keep it where it is for now. And then, and then you, and then you got to learn how to, you got to learn how to like steal places too, because like I shot some of the scenes for my film, I shot them at my job because my job had like a big lounge area. And there were two characters in the, in the script that they both worked at a cafe. The cafeteria at my job looked like a cafe. And <laughs> since nobody's there on weekends, we shot there on the weekends. You know, there was a studio in Manhattan, there is a studio in Manhattan called Ripley Greer Studios, where you can basically rent a room, like any size room, like a dance room, you know, you can rent just like a regular basic room, and the prices are really cheap. Like we rented rooms for like $24 for like an hour or two, to do casting, to do training, and we, sh and then, you know, then when I thought about it, because I was doing a film about a crime organization, I was like, well, hell, we can just rent rooms in this building and just shoot it in this building. <laughs> And that's, and that's exactly what we did. You know, we shot everything and, and, and it didn't really cost. It just cost me maybe what, 50 bucks for the day, <laughs> you know, and, and we got a lot, we got a lot of scenes done that, you know, that way. So yeah, that's, that's, see, that's something people who are not on the indies can't, it, it, I, I look at it and not to just use professional wrestling terms, but it, it really is kind of like being in your own wrestling promotion. Like when you have to really book yourself promote yourself, find ways to cost effective to put on a show. You know, you got to get your audience, obviously, which is obviously the biggest roadblock for anyone on the indies is getting that audience. But obviously casting, you know, you're getting your wrestlers and everything else like that. And so you found a way to effectively, and that, and that actually just makes sense. It's like, okay, why don't I just film the whole damn thing here? And yeah, just, you know, like we've been coming here for weeks doing castings. <laughs> You know, this looks like a warehouse. All we gotta do is just dim the lights, get some boxes. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we did. Dress it up on a set. I mean, you rent it to room, so technically the room is yours. Let me dress it up a little bit, film it, remove all the equipment, and everything else when we're done, and put it back together how it was. So, and I mean, anything, anything that we shot outside, hmm. we shot in Farakula. All the interior scenes were shot in Manhattan. All the exterior scenes were shot in Farakula. And the reason for anybody that's, you know, that's listening, if you shoot an outside scene in Manhattan and it looks like you're doing something important, the police and every nosy person all up in your business will come over. Oh, do you have a permit? This, that, the third. Why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. When you shoot in Farakula, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nobody cares. That when is we actual facts. the very first scene for Shadow Warriors. 
the police legitimately rolled up on us while we were filming. And they didn't run up on us because we were filming. They saw, because the, the opening scene, it was three of the, the criminal girls mm. fighting one girl. Mm. And they had like their costumes on and they had masks on and everything. The cops saw them putting masks on and that made them come over and be like, what the hell are they doing over there? Like we were in the park, like trying to jack people. So mm. but, but when they came over and then they looked and they saw we had camera equipment and lighting and they were, he's like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, we're just shooting. You know, I was like, we're just shooting a film, you know, like an action, like, you know, like martial arts based film. He was like, oh, that's cool. He said, yeah, we just came over here because we saw y'all were putting on masks and stuff. And we just wanted to <laughs> like, all right, you know, have a good one. And then they, they left. You know, like that was, if I was in Manhattan, that would have, it would have, it would have went the other way. It would have went completely the other way. Yeah, it would have been permit, permit, where your permit, where your permit at, where your permit at. He thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Rockaway cops are so lax when it comes to filming. And some of them might even actually like, Hey, I get off like certain time. You mind if I, you know, do a cameo? I, I, I kid you not. They will probably they they are the type that will probably like, yo, can I get a cameo on this? Like, yeah, I guess as long as you don't say nothing. <laughs> that that would have been perfectly fine. <laughs> but let, let's uh, we we talked a little bit about the roadblocks, so we're gonna get into the destination. So how did it feel? I mean, you filmed the trailer comes out. What was your feeling like, man? When that when you finally that day you uploaded to YouTube, you press upload. What was going through your mind, and how did it feel to reach that destination? It's like, <sighs> I mean, so much so much went into that though because you know, and and to give like the real answer to your previous question, the biggest roadblock was me. <laughs> like the biggest roadblock was me because. When I first started, when, when I first started the project, it was myself, you know, it was my ex-wife, you know, they said we were married at the time, and it was one of my best friends, you know, because he went to L.A., like, he did writing, he was a writer when he was in L.A., so he helped me with the casting and everything. The three of us were doing it together. During the creation of trying to put the project together, her and I, unfortunately, went through our divorce. So now, having a person who was basically with you from the start of this, like she helped, she helped me write half the script, you know, and now all of a sudden she's gone. She was the person who was doing the editing. I no longer have an editor. I no longer have like, you know, my script supervisor. Mm. So it just became me and him. And also you're just trying to deal with the real life emotional aspects of going through a divorce <laughs> and yeah. still, and still trying to get this project off the ground, still doing, still doing casting and everything, you know, but myself and my friend, he and I, you know, we, you know, we, we worked on it. We got everything done. We got all the actresses and actors cast and we were ready to shoot. A week before we were supposed to shoot the first scene, he had to bail out of the project because his dad got sick and had, had to go to the hospital because he was having like a real major surgery. Mm. And he wasn't going to be able to be there, you know, for, you know, for, you know, for the start of the project. He actually said that he couldn't do it because he needed to be with his dad, which I understood. So now it's like, I lost my ride or die. And then the only other person who was actually keeping me afloat, he's gone now. Emotionally, I was like, yo, I don't even want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and the only thing that the two things saved me from continuing the project. You know, one, I remember I like, you know, like in conversation when I first started the project, I was told, my, my ex said this to me one time. She said, listen, she said, you know, this is your story. This is your thing. If you want to do this film, 
she was like, you have to be the one to, you know, to drive the engine. You can't rely on other people to do it because she said, if this project doesn't work, everybody's going to look at it as your fault. They're not going to say, oh, the project didn't work because of the actors. The project didn't work because of the behind the scenes people. All they're going to know was, well, this was Jarrell's project. It didn't work. It's Jarrell's fault. <laughs> and I didn't want that stigma on me because that's, that's true. Like it's, it's a true given fact. And one of the actresses actually emailed me and she was like, hey, I just wanted to check in and see if we're still doing the filming. But she said, I'm still excited and I'm still down. And when she wrote me that email about her being excited to do it, that reminded me why I did it. Exactly. <laughs> and then I had to pick myself up and be like, you know what? Even if I got to do it myself, I, I'm, I'm, Justin, I did, I, I ended up changing the script because certain things did happen. So the script went from like 115 pages to like 147 by the time we were ready to shoot it. I revised the script. I changed certain characters. I did the I did the casting. I did the directing. I shot half of it. I did the editing. <laughs> you know, mm. I did the fight choreography. Like I basically did the entire thing by myself. Well, my brother, he came and helped me towards the end. Sean actually helped me towards the end too. But before we got to the end of filming, in the beginning of the filming, I did the entire thing by myself. I wore every single hat and we got eight scenes done with me just being in charge of the entire process. When we, finished the, when we finished the film, when we shot the very last scene, I swear to you, it took me three weeks before I even looked at that footage to start editing it to put that trailer together. <laughs> because I went through so much dealing with like actor attitudes and people quitting and having to interchange people and shooting and doing audio. I, because I basically did the, I was, because I was a one man studio, when we were done, the last thing I wanted to do was look at that damn footage. <laughs> I, I can't, let me just pause it right there. I can freaking relate to that one. Like, I, I, I feel it's such, and, and the reason why I, I pause it right here, folks, is because I want people to, to realize what it's, what are your, like my friend Keenan, he made a game. Keenan made, well, Keenan was our first guest. He, he's talked about his game, Amani Tattoos. When you're done with a project and when you're on the indies, yes, you love you love your baby, you love your child. But is that that point when you're done, you're like, I don't want to deal with you right now. You're done. Leave me the hell alone. I don't want to see you until I'm ready. I'm the same way when I did Cry Hero 1 and 2. I didn't want to think about this point. I didn't want to think about the world, the planet I was building. I just wanted to do something else. And just focus somewhere else. But it, unfortunately, you can't, like, you take a little break, but then you got to get right back into it. You got to get right back to the editing. You got to get back right into the footage. And one thing I also wanted to pin on, pin is because you lost a lot. Obviously, you, you say you got divorced, your friend dropped out, your partner dropped out. And, but at the same time, you knew that you had these actors who already committed and spent time on this thing and to cancel. And that's one thing I've, I've heard from a lot of actors as well is that, they, it, it's heartbreaking when you take the time to film something and then it never gets released, it's shelved or anything else like that. So for you to go like, no, no, I, I got to complete this. You know, I definitely got to complete this. That That's something, I once again, another applause for that because that's, no, I'm serious because there's so many people who want to do this shit and they just stop. They just yeah. stop because life throws the wrench and, 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 the lesson here is how bad you want it. How bad do you want it? You know, there's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be. So how bad do you want this thing to, 
actually turn into fruition. And man, props to you to keep going. Thank you, thank you. But um, yeah, and, you know, and it also meant a lot to you know, like towards the end, because my brother, he's one of the actors in the film, but to have him work with me behind the scenes, and it wasn't something where I came to him and I said, "Hey, listen, can you help me work on it?" Because I was determined to do it by myself at that point. He took it upon himself during the course of you know the entire film. He started taking like combat classes and fight choreography classes. And then he said to me one day, he was like, hey, listen, I've been taking these choreography classes for a while so I can help you with the fight choreography. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> mm. you know, it ended up being me and him who finished the project. And that meant a lot to me to like to have him with me, you know, to get to the, you know, to get to the end of that. But when 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 the trailer was ready and it was ready to go and, you know, like and I was happy with the finished product. The day that I was going to upload it, you know, because even then, like I had started that by then I had started my YouTube channel mm. and my YouTube channel. I created the Red Eyes Entertainment YouTube channel. Well, the original name of my YouTube channel was called Eye Contact. And then okay. you know, <laughs> that was the original name. But then because I really liked the Red Eyes, Enter- I was like, well, I'm doing I, I, did, I just did a film trailer. Mm. Like I need to come up with like an actual <laughs> like studio name now. So then that's when I came up with the Red Eyes Entertainment because I, I had the YouTube channel for about a year before I started telling people that I had a YouTube channel, mm. you know, because I was like, you know, cause like it was weird. The YouTube channel was weird to me. And, I, and my whole thing was before I start telling people that I have one, I want to actually have content on it first. So I did the YouTube thing for like a year. I did videos, you know, like I did, I did like video game, live streaming, gameplay. I did reviews for like TV shows and movies. But then when I finished my film trailer and I was ready to upload it, I was like, now I can start telling people about my YouTube channel (laughs) because my movie trailer was like the cornerstone of building the Red Eyes Entertainment brand. And the day that I was going to upload it to YouTube and I was going to tell everybody on Facebook and Instagram and everything like, hey, go on my YouTube channel and check out my film trailer. My Facebook account got hacked. (laughs) My Facebook account got hacked. And it was like a weird video that just randomly got sent out to everybody that I know in my name. And I had to send so many messages to people saying, listen, don't click on that. Don't open that. You know, it's spam. You know, like I got hacked, blah, blah, blah. And it was so frustrating because I'm thinking to myself now, I was about to send a message to everybody telling them to click on this link. I'm about to send you to watch a video. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now everybody got a link for a video you know, that was, that was a fake hack video. So I'm just like, well, shoot. Now when I'm actually ready to tell people about my thing, nobody's going to trust the link when I, like, when I send it to them based on what happened the last time. So I waited like a month before I ended up, you know, actually, I had the trailer for a month before I uploaded it and told everybody. Hit after hit after hit after hit. <laughs> I mean, when it rains, it pours, man. <laughs> But, you know, but I look at it like this, you know, you know, like the, the Lord's plan and all that, maybe it wasn't meant for me to upload it that day. Exactly. You know, like I thought I was ready to go. I thought everything was, you know, was, was in sync. And then the Lord was like, hold up, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, I, um, I uploaded it. I eventually uploaded it a month later. You know, it got like, you know, like it got over 2K hits. <laughs> you know, so, Which is good. Yeah. And that, um, that was surprising to me, you know, because. I up when I uploaded it, I said, okay, we'll just let this rock. 
I'll check on it maybe tonight or tomorrow. By then, maybe I'll have like, you know, 30 views or like 45 or something mm. like that. When I checked on it the next morning, I was at like 500. And I was like, oh, snap. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, like I felt, I felt good about that. And then like two days later, we got to seven. We got to eight. And then one day it said 1.4K. And I was like, wait. I was like, yo, who's watching this thing? <laughs> like what i was like one k i was like who is watching this trailer <laughs> and then when I, when I hit the when i hit the 2k mark that let me know i did the right thing mm. i was just like wow like people i was like you know and the funny thing is i only got one dislike <laughs> like for the only one person and and even now i'm like yo who just like this like it's one of those things where it's just like i'm not mad you disliked it I'm just really curious as to why. You, you know what? Let me just touch on that because I, I, I get that too um, with ONG videos and I get that with Imagine Vision videos as well. There's usually that one freaking person, and I kid you not, if it's just one dislike, I guarantee you the person even watched the damn video. They are one of those people that sees that nothing is dislike and they just got to be the dickhead to do it. I, I, I kid you not. There is collective people who go to YouTube, Twitter, or whatever it is, and just want to press a dislike because nothing's been disliked. <laughs> it, it, it bottles my mind. But also, <laughs> but you want to know what's funny about that? When I saw the dislike, that actually was more important to me mm. than all the likes I had got. Oh, yeah. Because now I was just like, you have haters now. <laughs> <laughs> Which means the fact that somebody took the, because I felt like, I felt the opposite of what you just said. I was just like, wow, although you gave me a thumbs down, you still watched it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you still clicked on it. You know, so I was like, that's actually kind of cool. You know, like that was actually, it was, it was kind of cool to see that. So that's what I was like, at the end of the day, like I was, I was happy with it. I was happy with how it turned out and, you know, the, the emotional reward was definitely worth, you know, like the aggravation, <laughs> you know, that I went through during the entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely can uh, <laughs> relate to that part. <laughs> but let's um, get into, uh, uh, we did talk a little bit about um, Shadow Wars, but I do want to touch a little bit about this web series you alluded to it before. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what's that going to be? Because I believe you said you were going to return to that and return to filming. Uh, yeah. next year and, and how did uh the pandemic kind of halt plans for everything um the pandemic actually the pandemic did two things for me it gave me the time that i needed to start writing the web series <laughs> like first and foremost you know so that was a good thing but you know, I mean, let's, let's just keep it real. Like I got furloughed, I was getting unemployment checks and the money, <laughs> it helped me upgrade like my equipment, you know, to do certain, to do certain things on like a bigger scale. But it was, it, you know, it was more so like, you know, the direction that everything's going in now where people are doing like series, like we're, it's a series where people are doing web series, things of that nature. So I was just like, well, I can do a web series. That's not a problem. You know, my Shadow Warrior story is a 20 arc film you know like film story with different you know because i mean even you you and i have had conversations about it you only know about the shadow warriors 
Mm. Like that's chapter, like Shadow And on the script, on the Shadow Warriors script, it actually says Shadow Warriors chapter one. Like mm. you don't know about chapter two. Like you don't know about Red Velvet. <laughs> you know, like you don't know about like all the other stuff. But then I was just like, you know what? Let me, I was like, you know, I, I think I need to dabble in this, you know, like, especially now I have a YouTube channel now, you know, like I'm doing YouTube videos. If I can do a web series, like a 20 to 30 episode, maybe eight episode web series, 20, 30 minutes, that's something that I can put on the channel. And it's something that can keep it alive, you know, while I continue to work on doing like my other film stuff. And then I came up, you know, like I came up with an idea for it, which was, um, which was birthed by one of my favorite TV shows, which was Arrow. Like the, mm. the web series, you know, it was, because everything that I do is taken from something. Like mm. even, and, and it could be like the littlest detail that somebody, unless there's somebody like me, they wouldn't even notice it. Like, for example, in the Shadow Warriors film, there's a scene where one of the characters goes into a museum to steal a diamond. Mm. And then my character goes into the museum to stop that person from stealing the diamond. And then the two of us get into a fight in the museum. That whole scene I took from an episode of Jackie Chan Adventures. Wow. Where Jackie was in a museum fighting a character called Viper because she went into the museum to steal something called the Pink Puma. And I watched that scene, and for some reason I was just like, hey, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like it sparked this whole thing. The web series the idea came from Arrow because Arrow was my favorite television show. And mm. when and when I found out that Arrow was over, when they decided to end it after eight seasons, emotionally, like, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was like, I need, I need my Arrow. And I ended up, like, I ended up coming up. And, then, you know, and also there was, there was a lot of personal aspects of that went into the web series, too, because the web series story, it's called Rockaway City. It's mm. a story about uh, a crime family, you know, like husband and wife, they got six kids. And that was taken from my, from my personal life because, you know, like I, I have four brothers and one sister. So it's a, it's a crime family. They do everything. They do drugs, they do weapons, you know, like they, they, they do hookers. <laughs> like they, do, like they, they, they basically like they run, they run the city. But one of the kids, like, you know, my character, he's not really into the family business, so to speak. Like, he runs like the weapons, like, you know, like the weapons cachet that they have, but he's not really, he wants to do other things with his life. So he goes to college, you know, he wants to become like an actor. He wants to make, you know, he wants to go to Hollywood. He meets a girl in college. The two of them fall in love, they get married. And then they decide that they're going to move to California together so he can pursue his acting career. The mom who's like the head, she's like the villain of the entire film. She pretends to be happy for them. And then, you know, but, but secretly she's not because she doesn't want her son, you know, leaving the family business. Because, you know, like when you're in the business, you're in the business for life. You know, so his, um, his wife, she ends up going on a business trip. And, you know, they say that, you know, the, the conversation is when she comes back from the business trip, they're going to leave and they're going to move to California. When she drives to go on her business trip, her car, like her brakes don't work. Her car runs off the road and her car actually goes off a cliff and then she dies. So that puts him in like an emotional wreck, like, you know, He's upset. He still ends up quitting like the family business because his whole thing is like, we were, we were going to quit together, but now that she's gone, I'm going to honor her memory by still not doing the family business. But then there's like, um, there's a detective, like a female detective in town now because her husband got killed by the crime family. 
So she's in town now investigating the crime family. She goes and talks to him, you know, basically saying like, listen, I know you're not in your family business anymore, but if you can help me take them down, I would appreciate it. And while they're talking, she makes a comment to him about, you know, I'm sorry to hear about, you know, like your wife's murder. And then, you know, he's like murder, you know, why, like, why would you say murder? Like my wife had an accident, like her car, you know, got run off the road. And then she was like, no, she said, didn't you actually look at the accident report? Your wife's brakes were, um, were cut. Like there was acid poured on, like poured on her brakes. So mm-hmm. now he's kind of like, this is two years later now. So now he's kind of like, what the, you know, like what the hell? He goes, investigates, he finds the person who, you know, who cut the brakes, who bled the brakes. And when he runs up on them and he's just like, yo, why did you murder my wife? Like, you know, like who paid you to murder my wife? The guy was like, your mom paid me to do it. So now he's like lost it. <laughs> His whole thing is, you know, my family, you know, came together and plotted to have my wife killed just because I was going to leave the family. So what he does now, he goes out at night, you know, like, you know, because because he was um he he's a martial arts like him him and his wife like they were both like kickboxers like they did like martial arts training they did kickboxing together and again he used to run the weapons cache you know for the family business he goes out at night and his whole mission is to take down his family business from like you know from the inside because he's the only person that knows how to do it but to everyone else he's just some random vigilante that's trying uh you know that's trying to like you know you know like uproot them out of town. You know, he has like the hood, he has like a hood on, you know, like he, there's an episode where he goes after his, his older brother's business. He goes after like, you know, like his younger brother owns a chop shop. He goes after the chop shop, you know, episode four, he goes after the whorehouse. It's like this whole big thing where he's like taking out his family, like his whole family business, you know, and the, the tagline is to get revenge for my family. I have to kill them. Ooh, that's so called, deep. I, I like that. Because I planned on shooting the entire thing in Rockland. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Once again, got one more time, folks. That's, that's I like that. I like that. It's a nice concept. Um, and we're gonna uh go into the actual showcase because we did allude. We've been talking about Shadow Warriors. We're gonna um for those this is for the video portion, folks. You're actually gonna see a trailer. And for those audio, we're gonna talk about a little bit more of um Jarrell's YouTube channel while the trailer's going on. Then we're gonna wrap it up with the uh, the road ahead. So. For those who are um, watching this on our YouTube channel or on MadisonDivisions.com, here is the trailer of Shadow Warriors, courtesy of Jarrell and Red Eyes Entertainment. So check this out. And we are right now, for you audio listeners, we're going to get into the little... And it's an exclusive... Exclusive section here. So Jarrell, talk about a little bit about the channel that you... Or YouTube channel. How did you start reviewing... Uh, TV shows, particularly DC, CW. I mean, you, you do review other stuff, too. You, you review the Marvel stuff. So how did you get into reviewing uh, uh, product as well? <laughs> the reviewing thing happened because, like I said, I love the Arrowverse. You know, like Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, even Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, I grew up a DC guy. Like, I watch DC ca- content. I watch DC characters. Like, these were, these were my heroes. And... I was a huge fan of like Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series, Justice League, the animated series, Justice League Unlimited, and Young Justice. When Young Justice came out, I was like, yo, this is the ish. Like Young Justice was my show. But then they canceled Young Justice. And then after they canceled Young Justice and there was no more like DC content, I actually, there was a brief moment where I gave up on DC 
and I actually stopped watching like anything superhero related because I was just mad because I'm like every time something comes out that I like they cancel it you know like static got canceled after four six like I was just really upset mm. and then my brother at the time he was just like yo this is this is when Arrow was in season two my brother best season like, to me yeah the best yeah. season to me yeah one, one of the best seasons. I say two and five were the best season but they um you know but he was just like yo you should really watch this show like it's Arrow it's based on the Green Arrow character and I was just like man screw that I ain't watching you know like I, I was upset. I was tight you know like I was tight and then you know I had made up my mind I was like you know you canceled all my stuff you know like I ain't watching nothing <laughs> you know, then, like one day like I was home for the weekend I ain't had nothing to do it was pouring rain I was on Netflix because season one was on Netflix and I was just like you know what I ain't doing Jack let me just watch this thing I, I watched that aboard him and then I sat there, I watched all 23 episodes. And then like my, when I came out of the bedroom, my, I, I was like, yo, this is the greatest show of all time. And then that's how, but, see, but then the thing is, the more I got into it, the more I started watching The Flash and watching other shows, I would go on YouTube and I would listen to other people actually do reviews on the shows. And the thing with me is when I get into something, I get like into it. Like I can tell you things that happen like the most insignificant piece of information that happened randomly in episode 17 in season 12. Like, like, you know, like I know all this stuff. So I, I, you can't talk to me about this stuff and say something that I don't know anything about because like, that's how serious, like I get into it. So when I would listen to other people do reviews for these shows, I would get angry because you can tell they would hire somebody. They were just like, Hey, we have a network. You know, we have a platform on a big scale you know, we're doing reviews because The Flash is popular. We're doing reviews for it. Let's just get one of our VJs just to talk about the show. And then when the person starts talking about the show, and this is a show that you absolutely love and enjoy, you can tell when the person who's reviewing it has no idea what they're talking about. Or they do their review. And like, like, like I'll, I'll, I'll even say this as an example. Like they'll, they'll say something like, oh yeah, you know, we were watching The Flash and then it was fun. And then somebody would be like, oh, wasn't it funny when they made this whole big thing out of Barry wearing yellow boots? That's such a silly thing. And I'm at home like you, moron. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yellow boots. It's like, how do you not know that? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, you know, and then you can tell like you, like you people, you really don't love this stuff. You're just, this is a job to you. You know, like, and, 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 and I just, I, you know, in between that, between wrestling, watching wrestling, because I did reviews for wrestling pay-per-views as well. And my favorite wrestlers were never never got talked about and they always got thrown under the bus. And I just got to a point where I know there's a community of people out there that love this stuff just as much as I do. And for some reason, our voices, our opinions, you know, they're not being heard. We're not being, rep as fans of this product, we're not being represented the way we should. And the last straw for me, I used to watch um, a YouTube channel called After Buzz Entertainment. Mm. You know, After Buzz is basically like a portal where they, they, do, they do TV reviews for everything under the sun. And when the crisis, you know, like the crisis on Infinite Earths crossover came, they, they, had a, they had different panels of people. They had one person, one, one group of people that only did Supergirl, one that only did Arrow, only did Flash, only did Black Lightning, et cetera, et cetera. You would think when we're doing a super six episode crossover. They will come together. You would take people from different shows and mix them together for their reviews. So if you're the person that only does Supergirl reviews and you don't watch Black Lightning, and I'm the person that does the Black Lightning reviews, but I don't watch Supergirl, 
you and I should be on the same review. So when this random person shows up, you're not sitting there like an idiot saying, hey, who's this tall black guy with electricity coming out of his fingers? <laughs> wow. There were literally situations where, because it's a crossover, you know, so if you're the person who does the Arrow review and Arrow, quote unquote, is episode four of the crossover, you're watching the Arrow review and you're just like, oh, yeah, I was watching all the stuff with Oliver and everything, but I didn't know who that ice girl was. And, you know, like, I didn't see why, like, the Spanish kid was important, you know, and who's the bat lady that, who's the bootleg bat lady, you know, and I, dude, if you would have seen the steam <laughs> coming out of my ears, that was when I got to the point, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm done. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapping out. I, I stopped, that was the day I stopped watching other people do, do TV reviews and I just started doing them myself because I was just like, for the love of God, there needs to be at least one person on YouTube that watches all of these shows and understands what the hell is going on. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's how, that's how like, the, that's how the YouTube thing blossomed. And that was our audio Exclusive. Hit that. Hit that sound bite. Like this, and we're gonna head to the the final uh, section of our show, which is and welcome back for those who have just uh, <laughs> who who just welcome back to those who just finished watching the trailer, and you got you got to listen to the audio parts of, to get that exclusive audio section on on our on, on our Spotify. But let's talk about the road ahead. What is next? Obviously, you talked about the web series, but what else do you have planned that's in the chamber that you're or, or in development? You should, um, to say. So on, um, on a personal note, and this is another thing that the pandemic did for me, it allowed me to, you know, bring in the conversation full circle. It allowed me to get back into, into acting as far as auditioning. Oh, okay. In, in August, I went down to Orlando to compete in a talent showcase where they were bringing in people that were dancers, singers, actors, any type of performer. They were bringing all these people down there. They had maybe 25 to 30 agencies and agents that were coming down to view all this talent. And, you know, again, due to the pandemic, it gave me the opportunity to participate in that talent showcase. And when I went down there, I went down there, I did an improv scene I did a TV commercial and I did a scene with another partner. And that was the first, because remember when I told you the story about when I auditioned for Sky High yes. and then that was the last straw and I was like, you know what, screw this, I'm going to do this myself. That talent showcase was the first time I actually performed, you know, in an audition capacity since I did that Sky High interview. Mm -hmm. And it was very rejuvenating for me because it reminded me why I started this, you know, I walked out of it saying to myself where even if I don't get contacted by any agency or even if nobody liked my performance or whatever, it actually just felt good to go on stage and just perform again and not think about, you know, anything that's going to happen. It's just like, it just, it just took me back to my roots, you know, and it rejuvenated me as far as, you know, like wanting to continue to do what I'm doing. So, and, you know, and even then, like when the showcase was over, there were four agencies that reached out to me that wanted, you know, that wanted to talk to me about maybe doing like acting work for them. So I'm going to start getting back into that, you know, like doing that again. But the main focus right now, aside from continuing doing the web series, because there are a lot of people 
ended up getting like a decent following from, you know, as far as like the YouTube channel is concerned, there are a lot of people that, you know, appreciate the CW, DC TV and the HBO Max stuff the same way I do. So I definitely have to keep that going. You know, like I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to not do the YouTube channel because mm -hmm. the thing about the YouTube channel, it gave me an outlet to talk to people when I was going through like the rough times and, and the divorce and everything like it, 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 it was like a, it was like an emotional cleanse for me to sit in front of a camera and just talk about my favorite TV shows. And the bonus was having people respond to me, you know, and give likes on my video and talk to me about this stuff. Like there are people that write like paragraphs of things to me on a YouTube review that I did for a TV show because they just love this stuff as much as I do. And I always told myself when I did the YouTube channel, I'm not doing this to become a YouTube star to become rich and famous. I mean, okay. if that naturally happens, great, but I'm doing the YouTube channel because I genuinely just like talking about this stuff. So that's never going to go away. But the main, main focus right now is Rockaway City. You know, getting prepared, you know, finishing up the episodes, getting everything in order, because I want to start, you know, casting and preparing to shoot this when the springtime comes around. You know, okay, so, so, so next year is the goal. Yeah, so the winter is being dedicated to get prepared for the spring. Okay, so uh, pre-production, I should say. Yeah, yeah all the pre-productions that have to go out there. That's, 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 it, that's it. And in the meantime, while I'm doing the Rockaway City thing, I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep reaching out to the agencies that I was doing, you know, like trying to see if there are auditions for me and see if I can do other stuff as well. So it just was it's more like a, a resurgence and a rejuvenation. But Rockaway City is definitely, that's the main focus of what I want to do. So it seems like your journey just kind of went full circle in a way. It was kind of like you went through, just to recap, it's just like you started out, you know, you, 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 you had your origins the roadblocks, you know, obviously the divorce, you know, people left with the project, but everything you went, everything you went through just came back full circle. And now you have that, as they say, you got the mojo back, yeah, you know, yeah. you got the spark back, you got the bug back, and now you're back to auditioning, you're back to working on your projects and everything else. And it's just, dude, brother, it's just been one hell of a journey. Uh, just wish you nothing but the best of luck. And obviously, we're going to have you back in a year's time when you are in development so we can get talk a little bit about a little bit about uh, Rockaway City. And um, please tell the people where they can find you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can find me. Shoot, where can't you find me at this point? <laughs> I mean, you can find me on IG at Red Eyes Black Fire. That was, <laughs> you know, that, um, that, that, that was my original, original name before I shortened it. You can find me on Twitter at Red Eyes Media. And again, it's always Red Eyes with a Z because I just think it looks cooler with the Z versus the S. And, you know, and then the main place where you can find me, you can definitely find me on YouTube at Red Eyes Entertainment. You know, again, Red Eyes with a Z, especially if you're a fan of DC. We do Marvel as well. Like we do, we do Marvel reviews as well, you know, but it's, uh, like I said, it's, it, it's, the, it's the DC safe space for those that like DC TV, <laughs> TV and films. Like there is no DC bashing <laughs> on Red Eyes Entertainment. We got a little more roof as well, and even video games. Like I do live streams for like Street Fighter. Like I did, I did live. Like when when I first started the YouTube channel, the very first video game that I live streamed was Tomb Raider. You know, so if mm. you want to watch, if you if you want to watch me get Laura Laura Croft killed fifty million times before I actually you know complete that stage, you know, like definitely, it's an enjoyable train wreck watching me do certain things. But I said we do video games, you know, and things as well. Unfortunately, the one thing I did have to remove from the channel, I did stop doing wrestling reviews. Only they, because, they, they flag like crazy. Yeah, only because between work, you know, because I actually I have an actual job as well, but between work and doing the reviews for the other stuff, 
the wrestling stuff would end at like two, three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, look, I gotta go to work. I can't be staying up here like doing no wrestling reviews. So I unfortunately had to cut that out. But you know, who knows? Like if certain things change on the line, like we might reincorporate that. But um, yeah, I said, but definitely but if you're a fan of DC TV, you know, this is the place to be. <laughs> and thank you very much, Jarrell. It was just an absolute pleasure. Uh, we're gonna hit to the outro, but of course, everybody, you can follow us here at imaginativisions.com. You can also, just a quick couple of announcements. My name is Rachel. Is Official date is coming March 9th, 2022. So happy birthday, mom. It's going to be on your birthday. Um, of course, Heart to Heart, a visual novel demo is out right now. You can download it at imaginativisions.com uh, for the Windows. If you have Windows and, you know, operating system 64, I believe I uploaded 32-bit one as well. And if you don't have a Windows, you can play it online. I did put it online. You can play it VI browser. So you can just check that out. And, of course, we will have more from Imaginative Visions Journeys. We'll come, we're gonna try to, I'm going to try to do this bi-weekly or monthly, but obviously... Just like Jarrell, wear a lot of hats and production comes first before any of the podcasting. So I'm working on literally four projects and my friend just hit me up with something else for um, a possible, I can't talk about it, but probably another possible video game for the Cry Hero um, universe. So we're going to um, be talking about that down the line. So this is Justin saying later days, we will catch you on the next one. This has been episode five of Imaginative Visions Journeys, Jarrell. Once again, thank you. It's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Later days, folks. Hit that outro. Thank you for joining us for Imaginative Visions Journeys. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Imaginative Visions, you can visit imaginativevisions.com.